This week on How To Be 60, we're getting sexy with author Tracy Cox. Her advice on keeping the flame alive? Get it in the diary. But you do have to schedule sex. If you don't schedule sex when you're in a long-term relationship or when you've got young children, you won't have sex. It's as simple as that. And I'm wondering how to be 60. It's scaring the shit out of me. So it's How To Be 60 time, everyone. Greetings wherever and whenever you're listening. There's high drama here in the Tin Can studio uh, (laughs) because uh, this episode is a special sex and relationships episode and Karen McKenzie has arrived with uh, a big woolly pulley jumper on and a large engorged, throbbing <laughs> digit. <laughs> digit. <laughs> God. Are you trying to make a Freudian statement? <laughs> Pass. <laughs> what happened to your large, oh, engorged, throbbing it, digit? Well, isn't it? It's a different colour. It's as a well. finger, by the it's way. It's sore. Everyone. It's sore. I was chopping wood, chopping kindling yesterday afternoon and um, there was this knot right in the middle of the wood and I didn't see it and I, so I hammered the I hammered the axe down and it bounced off the knot. So I don't know whether it's the axe that came down, the blunt side of the axe came down in my finger or the wood went flying, but something came down and the, the air was blue. But so I know it's blinking so It looks nasty. And it's on my arthritic knuckle. How sexy is that? <laughs> <laughs> I sound about 85. Although, no, sorry to all the 85s out there. But, oh, God, my fingers are gnarled, is it? <laughs> Just look even worse in heaven, however. You anyway. really are turning into some kind of backwoodsman, aren't you? I mean, you live in Glasgow. What are you doing taking an axe to kindling? I need, I need the wood cut for heaven's sake. You need to kindle it to start a fire. Do you not have a fire in your house? Well, I have. Oh God, do you it, have a fire and you only have it on at Christmas time? Well, I've got this thing called central heating. Do you, do you have a fire? Uh, An open fire or a wood no, burning stove? No, I've got stove? a gas fire. You don't, all right. I thought you West Indies would have had a nice open fire that you open <laughs> or that you put on in special occasions. No, no. And you buy no. it from a really expensive shop down the road. No, no, no. No, I like to don't. go out and get kindling and uh, wood and uh, yeah. I think if that is your preparation for a conversation about sex and relationships, there's something wrong at the heart of your relationship. Fire on, and you get the candles on, the lighting down. Just excuse me, Miss Adams. Have you ever? Absolutely. In front of a fire. Oh my God! It's better in front of the dog, which you claim that you (laughs) (laughs) did. It might have been a few moons ago, but I think you were. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. It's lovely. You and Stephen, the open oh, fire God, and the it. candles. Seriously? Yes. Yeah, in seriously. living memory, this has happened. Six. Yes. It's so much. Oh, I feel really uncomfortable. Don't worry, Kay. You will not be invited into my house and you will oh. not be looking at the carpet. Get the duvet down as well. Oh, it's lovely. Oh, I don't know. What just, is wrong with you, woman? Oh, I don't know. I just feel really uncomfortable. Well, you asked. told me that. The thing is, what do you expect me to say? Oh, okay, don't be daft. Don't be daft. As if, as if. Oh, my goodness. Well, we've got Tracy Cox, renowned sex and relationships expert, uh, with us. She's appeared on, <laughs> oh, my goodness, countless television radio programmes. She's written 18 books, the last of which was Great Sex Starts at 50. Do you think it does? Uh, it depends whether you've been the same with the same partner for the last, like, 30 years prior to that. But I dare say it could. Yeah, I dare, what I'm know. trying to say is if you get a new partner at 50, then I dare say it does. Well, that is a different thing, isn't it? Aye, it is. And what's it the is. longest you've been with somebody? Oh, do you, are you just going to be here to it's point just, out my... No, it's just a genuine question because you were um, married and then... I think 10 years. When did you start getting bored? 
I'm not currently bored. And You're not. No, How long have you been with Stephen? And uh, nine years. Nine years. Yeah, and it was yeah. I don't even want to discuss my, my yeah the last one because it was completely my fault and yeah <laughs> it was just I'm not even going to go there. So uh, yeah. I mean, it's 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 hard, and I think when you've got children as well, it's difficult to sort of uh, uh, prioritise certain things. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to ask Tracy when it starts getting boring. I and wonder you know if what? There is well, a okay, when did it start? Has I mean, are, where do you stand in all of this? Um, when does it start getting boring? Um, when did it start getting boring? No, no, no. I, oh, I don't right. think I don't think it has ever got boring, to be honest. But circumstances change, don't they? That's the thing, right. you know, and it's about time and it's about not... It's about prioritising. Yeah, and it's about stuff in your head, you know, stress in your head, anxiety in your head. You know, it's like it's like alcohol. Some people use alcohol to sort of dull down their feelings when they're feeling miserable and uh-huh. depressed, etc. I think some people use sex that way, where some people see alcohol as something that is hang associated on, with on. joy. No, hang on, I'm going somewhere. Oh God, I need I'm to going try somewhere. and hold that thought then. That hold I on, hold on. Already. That funny thing. Be careful with that. It's got arthritis <laughs> in it. Whereas I use alcohol as um, something when I'm pleasured. When, when I'm when pleasured, don't like to use the word pleasured when we're talking about sex. What a horrible expression that is. Um, I use alcohol for fun times, right? So mm-hmm. I don't use alcohol if I'm depressed or stressed or whatever. Yes. I don't want it. It's about fun. Yeah. I, and I don't drink an awful lot. No, so you don't have a lot of fun. Right, okay, that's fine. That's right. So with sex, I would say the same. I have to be in a fun frame of mind, no anxieties, feeling relaxed before I would enjoy sex. And, uh-huh. and if I'm stressed, it's not what I want. No, And unfortunately, sick. most of my life, I'm stressed. And do you so think that's you a, but it's not that, that it is boring. Mm-hmm. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I do get what you're saying. I think you just need to question why you keep getting yourself into more and more stressful situations. Well, yes, no, I, I do as well. That's why we're doing this bloody podcast. And you're right. And you know, we're going to have to talk about your vibrator habit. I oh, mean, we we are we are going to have to you know talk what, about Kate, this. You've got such an unhealthy. Uh, I don't. Uh, Can about, I? No, you always bring it up. Well, can I just say that is because people email in every single week. The single most popular bit of all of these podcasts that we've done, I think we've done about 30 now, is you and your vibrator. And well, that, there's more your interest in it. Well, no, listen, I've got Leslie O, which I'm hoping stands for orgasm. Says <laughs> She's emailed in. She says, I don't have a question, but I do really want to thank you for the belly laughs. that I, Belly laughs. I've had a shit couple of years, says Leslie, oh. and you're podcast really brightened my week. Last week I had a trap nerve in my neck. Agony. I was listening to the podcast where Karen talks about the vibrator being too powerful. God. I swear the pain that I got from laughing so hard I couldn't stop. Uh, She loves the podcast. She really hit off one in each other. Don't ever stop. Which is quite sexual actually when you think that whole email is. So you are going to have to tell Tracy about your vibrator habit. I know she's going to want to she's nodding. I can see her. She wants to find out okay Trace so we're going to have this, a lot more things to talk about than my vibrators so. there is a serious I don't even have it anymore do you not no you didn't put in a charity shop did you <laughs> <gasps> oh my god I went and asked for a swap get Aggie to clean it and put it oh, in a charity yads. shop can you remember that there is a serious side to this, you know. I, I was just reading a report the other day that sexually transmitted infections in the over 65. I read that. Yeah, in England. Yeah. Actually, you sent it to me. Um, and it's... I'm sure it applies everywhere else. They're up 20%. I know. 
and they're putting it down to chemsex and hookups. I didn't know what chemsex was. I had to look that up. Did you? Google it. Yeah. Did you know what it was? Yes, of course I knew what it was. Did you? I Be did. Truthful. How well, do you know what that means? Well, to be honest, at first I thought it was a certain kind of coffee machine. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't know what it meant. <laughs> but when I stopped to think, I realised what it was. Um, I think that's mainly between gay and bisexual yes. men. Yes. Yeah. Did well. you did you get the same internet search as I was? And what about hookups? <laughs> hookups. Did uh, you know what they naps. were? No, on date naps, you mean? Uh-huh. What do you mean? Do I know what it is? Go on then. Do you know what a date nap is? A hook, a hook up. Eh, is that not just when you hook up with one person or two people? I don't know. Tell me, I'm getting all hot <laughs> now, and I might have to take my jumper off, and I can't. <laughs> Why can't you? Oh, because I don't really like my t-shirt that I've got underneath. No, I don't like it either. Just keep and it's that a bit on. oatmeal, isn't it? Um, yes, it is. Porridge-like. Anyway, um, we're going to speak to to Tracy. We've been asking for the last few weeks about your emails, uh, anything to do with sex and relationships. So, podcast at htb60.com is the email address. Email us about whatever, uh, and we've got lots of really interesting emails in so listen thanks very much uh, for sending them in and trusting us um, I'm just going to either give first names or initials and not that everyone has necessarily asked for that but just you know just to make sure that I don't put my foot in it with anyone Will I recognise any of them uh, like as being like you know a pseudonym from you No no I haven't written I can say I haven't written any of these Look at uh, me and email. tell me that I haven't written any of these oh, emails Okay, okay they're just all checking. entirely genuine um, Hi Tracy how are you? I'm fine thanks Enjoying listening to you two Vibrator <laughs> <laughs> Come on you're going to give me that story <laughs> Well done Tracy <laughs> I can't even remember the story Suffice to say I don't have it anymore Oh yeah I do know the don't story Don't accept that Tracy I went, I went into a show I was going out with this person at the time I thought it was Stephen My current partner and But it uh, wasn't But it <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the gist of the story, wasn't it? <laughs> so we were in Tan Summers and uh, just sort of have a wee look around, got this vibrator, um, came back. And then I was uh, recounting this story this on one of our earlier podcasts. And I went home and I related it to Stephen and he said, that wasn't me. <laughs> I thought, oh my gosh. Sorry. So I kind of had to come back and then, okay, it wasn't Stephen. I felt a bit shit. But, oh, and rude. Stephen doesn't really want to hear about it. Does it. Is it not a bit odd for couples to go vibrator shopping? No. No? I mean, these days, probably it is, yeah, because in you just do everything online and most people buy sex toys online. But in how long ago was this? Hey, um, well, Stephen's been around sort of nine, yeah, ten years, so it must have been about ago. 15 years ago. Yeah, so yeah. 15 years ago, if you wanted to buy bread, you went into a sex shop. Uh-huh. So, it, and, and couples often went in together. That was kind of what you did. Oh, my God. Do you know what, Kate? It actually might be normal. Do you think so? And yes. so, like, when a couple go in to buy a vibrator together, is it like when they go to buy a car, like, and the guy's more concerned about the engine and the woman's more concerned about the colour? It's like a titillation thing, isn't it? Because you're not just looking at the vibrators. It's like, oh, look at that one. It's, it's just something sexy to do together. I highly recommend it. I think that was thumbs up for me, Karen. I thank you. <laughs> Seriously, something so, sexy to do. Would you do that, Tracy? I have done that. Was it with my husband? Was it with someone else? No, definitely was with someone else, not my husband. Oh, Second husband. So I'm, I'm, I'm the odd one out here. 
Uh, yeah, we can say that slowly. Odd. <laughs> wow, okay. That's something for your diary in the new year. Oh, God. Well, yeah, couples go online and look at them all and say, what do we think of that? What do we think of this? So it's something sexy to do that you can, you know, and then you do want to sort of have a bit of a chat about, like you went in for the vibrator, maybe you come out with something else, a sex toy for the two of you. I don't know. Well, it's good to do. Well, okay, I'm going to show how naive I am. What other sex toys are out there? What? Oh my God, even I've kind of had to come back from the microphone before I Come on, I'm okay, I'm being honest. Okay. Why looking at me? Then a vibrator. Well, there are tie-up toys, there are anal toys, there are um, toys that you can use together, like penis rings with vibrators on them that work on the clitoris during penetration. There are clitoral vibrators. There are, there is about... For a start, there are about 10 categories of vibrators if you want to try them. Then also what's really big now is sex toys for men. Like in the old days, it was just vibrators for women or, um, you know, those fleshlights that men would simulate sex inside, you know, fake vagina type things. But now there are so many sex toys for men. And in fact, I do a sex product line. I've got 60 products and my biggest, actually my two top selling products, number one is a penis pump. which is what men use to pump up their penis and it keeps their erections nice and healthy. The other most popular toy, wait for it, is a pegging kit. Do you know what a pegging kit is? I have no idea what that is. No, me neither. Well, pegging is when a woman, a straight woman, anally penetrates her straight partner. So she straps on a dildo and um, penetrates him. And it is really, really popular. And even Prince William um, apparently, apparently said he was remotely interested in this because it switches the power dynamic. And it's so popular, this toy. That they're the two top toys. So not a, like there's so many things other than vibrators. I'm actually clenching my buttocks at the thought. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're straightening your glasses, which is always a sign of anxiety with you. <laughs> and I'm sweating. Now, see, what we've got to analyse here is, well, okay, why is this having this impact on me? Why am I feeling so uncomfortable? And am I atypical or am I just someone of my generation? What, are you feeling uncomfortable, Karen? I'm thinking about the size of that um, thing that you strap on. The peg. The peg, yeah. I mean, we're not talking a pe- Oh, is it that size? Nathan's just held up a pen. Hey, what size is it? You can get different sizes, but it's probably the size of a small penis. But you know what's funny about the pegging kit is that men are always hassling women for anal sex. And so many of my friends were like, brilliant. I can now say to him, yes, honey, well, you can do it to me as long as I can do it to you. So it sort of evens up that whole thing, which I thought was quite amusing. That is. Have you always been so open about sex, Tracy? Um, I don't know. My my family were um, pretty open about sex. My my mum, not my mum, my sister worked for family planning in Australia. And then, um, so she was sort of feeding me, giving me pamphlets about how not to get an STD when I was probably 15, you know, because she was older than me. So I kind of grew up feeling not embarrassed about it. And then at school, people quickly learned that your sister works for family planning, which talks about contraception sex. So I have all the kids coming up to me saying, you know, can you ask your sister whether I'm pregnant or not? Can you ask your sister if I've got an STD? And, and then I kind of, I did it so many times. In the end, I kind of knew the answers. And then I studied psychology and journalism and did um, sex therapy and wasn't sure whether I'd go down that path or not. But then I loved writing. So then I ended up at Cosmo, which is all 
all about sex, as you know, and then left Cosmo and ended up writing a book about sex. And so, yeah, I kind of always have been talking about sex, but I, I, I don't get embarrassed about sex probably because I have been talking about it for so long. Um, but I think other people get embarrassed about sex if they're with somebody else who gets embarrassed about sex. So by the end of this, I bet you won't be feeling uncomfortable because we've been able to talk about it openly and, you know, and then you're like, oh, okay. It's when everybody gets all English about it that it starts to go wrong. Well, it, try English, try try Scottish. My God, it's all different. Oh my God. Did you have a quite sorry? How was your relationship with your mum? Were you able to kind of talk quite openly? Well, um, my mum, yeah, actually, uh, and I was very aware that my mum and my dad had a healthy sex relation, uh, sexual God. relationship. That's lovely, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, nothing explicit. Don't get me wrong, but you know, um, they were affectionate with each other, and you know kind of jokes and things but I remember when I was 15 God knows why I've remembered this um, and you probably don't want to know this but going to the loo in the days that you was only one loo in a house do you remember that? Um, <laughs> and in the loo there was a used condom uh, which obviously my, my dad had used and I, I remember I don't know I'll be 14 or whatever and I'm thinking Ooh! Wow! You know, and and I think I made a joke to my mum about it because, you know, wow. I could easily do that, and she just kind of gave me a wink or whatever. You know, there wasn't any great sort of embarrassment or How whatever. How healthy is that? Yeah, yeah. No, oh. she she was, and actually, I'm completely digressing. When my mum was much older and my dad was ill, um, that side of their relationship did you know, go. And and actually that's one thing that we should talk about, uh, Tracy, in all seriousness, as couple gets couples get older, if one partner is ill, then that can clearly have a huge impact on, on their sexual relationship. But it, my mum we had very frank talks. It was something that she really missed. Uh you know the physical Why are you embarrassed now then? Why well, can you go to the right background as Karen rightly asked about? How are you how have you turned into a prude? Now embarrassed? <laughs> um I don't know. How have I well, I'm, am I embarrassed? I don't know. I like talking about it, but yeah, it does make me a. Well, I mean, to be honest, I've never bought a sex toy. I, I, I mean, and it would not occur to me to go online to get a pegging kit. You know, <laughs> um, may, maybe I should. I, I don't know. I mean, are you? You're what sixty one, Tracy? Yeah, yeah. So. In some ways, you think, oh, this is generational. And I remember in an earlier podcast, we discussed that Emma Thompson film, didn't we? Mm -hmm. Did you see it, Tracy? No. Good Luck Leo Grand, it was called. So basically, she played a character who's a 60-year-old librarian, been married to the same guy for 30 years. He died. They'd had a terrible sexual relationship, very sort of uptight. And so she um, hired this male escort to show her what she'd been missing all these years, uh, who's Gorgeous Irish oh, boy, my God. Stunning. Anyway, so that was it. And it was just the two of them in a room and he basically, you know, um, oral sex, but whatever she wanted, she she had the full menu. She had the a la carte menu. <laughs> and the whole thing around it was that it was generational, that she came from, um, she was of an age that they didn't talk about sex, that particularly for women, you know, there was shame around sex. Mm. And I think that is definitely there, isn't there? You seem to have escaped that, but I wonder, yeah. are you typical? Am I typical? Is anyone no, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say I'm typical at all. But um, 
Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I think the world divides into people who are like 50, 60, who just snuck in on the end of suddenly sex was okay to talk about. And there was so much more information about it. And and I suppose it depends on whether you're conservative or um, extroverted and how much you like sex. I think that is a big indicator. If you've had, and I'm not including you in this, but if you've had a very strong sex drive and you've really enjoyed sex, I think then you tend to be less conservative about it. I think it helps. But if you haven't got a strong sex drive or if you've been brought up being told that sex is bad or dirty, so you've never let yourself explore sex and then you're that age, I think then, yeah, you can easily end up being the generation that don't talk about it. Now, the most important thing, of course, is to talk to your partner about it. So do you talk to your partner about it? I don't particularly. That's to you. I I, I don't particularly, no. No, I I don't. Do you? I do. Do you? Yeah, we do. Yeah. I think there came a point that actually we had to. And it, yeah, was, uh, it was after, um, sorry, Stephen, talking about you again, his heart attack. And then it became, he was worried because <laughs> he was thinking, what's going to happen to me, you know, again? So I, I kind of, uh, and I'm getting a bit hot now. Um, so we <laughs> had to. That jumper's went, coming off. We're going to see that T-shirt. <laughs> no, had to, uh, we went to the doctor. But, but it, it was a bit of a... I'm going to have to talk about it. And he didn't really, he was frightened. He was frightened because he'd had a heart attack and he didn't know what was going to happen again. The last thing he wanted was another one. So, yeah, that was what brought the kind of like the topic we just had to kind of Was it difficult it. to talk about? It was, it was. And I felt kind of self, not selfish, but thinking about myself uh, in bringing up the conversation. Yeah. But in, it, in case he felt that he was letting you down. Under pressure then. And yeah, yeah, let me down. So, but I mean, it it's healthier to talk about. We all know it's healthy, but it was very difficult to bring up the topic. No, um, if you, once you get past 50 really with sex and your partner, you almost, you have to talk about it or else you haven't got hope really of having great sex post 50. Because what happens is, is exactly what you're talking about, this embarrassment and emotional reactions to sex, because women go through menopause and we know that causes all sorts of problems. God, for me, it was hell. And then men, meanwhile, are struggling with erection difficulties. And there is a certain amount of shame associated on both sides. He feels like less of a man and plenty of men post 50 or even post 40 who can't get an erection rather than admit that they cannot get an erection, which is the biggest psychological catastrophe for a man ever, they will just masturbate to porn and that's it. They will literally take themselves off and and the wife or partner is like, well, what the hell's happened? It must be me. It's because I've changed and I'm not sexy enough. And it goes into this spiral. So you need to be able to talk to each other and say, look, you know, Sex can be painful for me now because of menopause. You know, can we move away from penetration and move into more foreplay based? And and then he's probably going to be relieved and say, well, yeah, actually, now you mentioned it. My this is in a perfect world, by the way. You know, now my erections aren't as strong and hard and available on cue. So that suits me better, too, that we're relying more on foreplay and oral sex and, you know, hand jobs and sex toys and and things like that. So. I don't know how any sex problem is solvable so long as you can talk, but the smallest sex problem becomes unsolvable unless you talk about it. You really have to talk. Which makes me think that the problem is the talking. It is. Yeah, it's the everything. And how do you get over that? I mean, funny, all of the things that you've just mentioned, Tracy, are here in the emails that have come mm-hmm. in. I mean, it's so interesting. Shall I go through some of them, actually? Because it's, you know, you, you've you just, in the last 30 seconds, 
basically wrapped up most of the the questions that have come in. And then we have to talk about how you talk about it because that's the hard bit, I think. Um, So this is from, I'm just going to say T. Um, uh, I'm going to read two emails which are more or less the same thing. Uh, So first one from T. How do you cope when after 35 years together your husband is like a good friend who shows you no affection? I do love him but I feel too young at 58 for the sexual part of my life to be over. I have discussed it with him but it makes no difference. Um, And this one is from L. Um, My husband and I have been together 47 years, married 40 years uh, this year. I've been retired 18 months. He retires in six weeks. We haven't been intimate for over two years. He has never been touchy-feely and always hated public displays of affection, even with our children. Uh, His parents were exactly the same with him. I didn't mind being celibate, but after listening to this podcast, uh, I'm beginning to think that I should approach the subject, but I fear rejection. Do you have any suggestions? So slightly different um, situations, but the same theme. And interesting that the first ones that we read are not women going off sex, but men going off sex, which happens, which happens. And for women, I think it's very important to keep our libido going, that we feel desired. And I think that's really big factor for women is when somebody looks at us and and sort of says that we're sexy and you look gorgeous and, you know, that feeds, that's very important for us. It's very hard to feel sexual and act in a sexy sort of way with your partner if they're not looking at you, if they're not looking at you in that sort of way. So I think that is really important to keep going. But with men, I would say in both those scenarios, invariably, I'm 100% certain that erection difficulties would have come into play with that. And he just doesn't want to admit it. I mean, the first lady didn't say what what, what they talked about or whether, you know, she said it made no difference, but she didn't say what they talked about. And so it, it's almost a sense of, and, and also, you know, women lose their spontaneous urge for sex because there is a difference between spontaneous and reactive which we also need to talk about because all the hormones whittle away. But men also, they lose it. Their testosterone drops and their natural desire for sex falls. And then they're both in long-term relationships. And the boring bit is about nine months in, when you talked about when does it get boring? Because the love and sex hormones that keep us all like, oh my God, this is amazing. They literally dry up after about nine to 18 months. So all that lovely look at each other, want to, you know, shag like rabbits, that's gone after 18 months. Well, even when you're like 25. Yes, because but when you're 25, you're swapping partners. Yes, even when you're 25. I get letters from, I know we're digressing a bit here, but I get letters from young women and men all the time, mainly young women though, saying, oh my God, I've been with my partner two to three years and I'm bored. It's because we have this idea in our heads that beginning sex is the only good sex you have and sex changes. And we don't like the other version. We want the hot one that you see on TV all the time that Emma Thompson was getting right. Mm. But going back to those two, um, two women, um, it is incredibly difficult to start talking about sex if you haven't done it before. But um, I think maybe some kind of normalizing conversation that that sort of goes along the lines of, you know, I know you don't want to talk about this, but can we have a conversation about sex? Because I used to, I love you and I use, you know, and I love our sex and I really miss it. Can we talk about some way that maybe we could get that going again and, and just say, you know, and not put words in his mouth, but just start talking about how she feels, not 
how dare you take sex off the table because that is too young, 58, to take sex off the table, I think. But to say, you know, I feel... I used to love touching the best part of sex for me was X. And can we at least um, start kissing again? Maybe if you don't feel like sex, could you try, you know, if she was into oral sex, could you try pleasuring me or, you know, some sort of way to just open up the thing about conversation. And the thing is, once you get past that really difficult bit that Karen can maybe attest to when you're forced to talk about it, then all of a sudden you've broken the, the, the seal and suddenly it becomes easier. Mm-hmm. It's that initial conversation about sex that's always the hardest. Mm-hmm. Uh, there will be though a lot of people, and I'm getting this from both of those emails, that have never spoken about sex in 30 years or 40 Mm -hmm. years and probably in their early years because they didn't need to particularly Mm -hmm. because as you say you had that impulse um, that you wanted to have sex I mean when you're really young it's almost like you need to have sex and then it's you want to have sex and then it's oh well well, I want to and then it's maybe you want to have children well, yeah. yeah, 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 absolutely. That that's a well, driven by evolutionary means. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's why you don't feel like sex when you're over the childbearing age because there's no reason for you to feel like sex. Yeah, you have to create desire. That's what you have to do. Um, I mean, with these men, it, there is there is no other way forward other than to just address the elephant in the room and to say, I know we've never talked about sex before, and this is really difficult for me, but I miss our sex. Can we talk about, you know, talk about how we used to remember when we did this, bring up the good time stories. Remember when we did that? And he may, if he's never talked about sex before, get really embarrassed, walk out of the room, get angry, get defensive, but just let him sit with that. And then you know, a day later, revisit it and say, look, I really am, I really do miss our sex life. I really would like to talk about how we can get things back on track. Can we talk about it? And then just with little bite-sized conversations, just bring it up. Or you can do, I mean, I always use the old thing with about, you know, I had a dream last night. Say you want to try something new in bed. I always think it's a great way to do it. Say, oh my God, I had a dream last night that you and I were having sex near the Statue of Liberty in America. Wouldn't that be great? And if your partner thinks that's a good idea, they'll go, yeah, that sounds fantastic. But if they don't, they're like, what do you mean, you pervert? And it's a good way so she could easily say something like, you won't believe this dream I had last night. I had this dream that you and I were having sex back in wherever they used to have sex, and it was fantastic. You could even say something like that and then drop it. And then the next, then you could say the next day, God, I keep thinking about that dream. I really miss our sex life and and how it was. So bring it in like a, in a very casual, not a very serious, we're going to talk about sex way, but just start mentioning sex as a, just a topic. You could say, look at this. I've just read that, you know, 20% of men, um, you know, don't, have sex anymore. Actually, one statistic, which is very interesting, which is a bit depressing, I have to say, um, is that they've just done a big survey, a a sort of research thing of many, many studies, actually. And 30% of people who've been in a long-term relationship, we're talking two years, two years, not 10, don't have sex anymore. 
30%. So even if you're having, if you're having sex after two years, give yourselves a pat on the back. And the whole reason why you're not is that it's conditioning, it's the love and sex hormones all wear off and people don't know what to do. They think they're with the wrong person, but in fact, it's just a different type of desire. It switches from that, oh my God, I just feel like sex with you because I'm young and it's fresh and you're new, to I've been with this person for 10 years or even five years I know you, you know, our bodies want novelty. So the evolutionary part of our brain just goes, I'm not going to be interested in this because if I was going to have a baby with this person, I would have. So you have to create desire. And something like 40%, an even more interesting statistic, of couples in long-term relationships, when they start having sex, neither of them feel like it. And what happens is once they start, it's absolutely true. And when they start having sex, then if you're stimulated in the right way, then you feel like sex. And that's called reactive desire. And, you know, if you can't, if you can't be bothered having sex, my partner and I are like, should we have sex? Should we watch a box set? And the box set <laughs> often wins. But if we make ourselves, we're like, oh, my God, why didn't we do that? You know, like, we, you've got to make yourself. It's an effort. It's like skiing. You've got to get off on that, that you know, and when you think, well, should we sort of sit in the bar? No, we've got to go off on that mountain. And you're so glad you did. So, so – we have to change our heads. I got. I tell you what. I think that is quite revelatory because it changes the whole tone of the conversation for people listening just to know that they're not weird because generally, and you and I have spoken about this before, Tracy, I mean, the great world of media of which we are a part loves to create the impression that everyone is at it all the time like rabbits and, you know, if your relationship, if you're not having sex X amount of times and your relationship's probably dead, ditch and move on. We create this completely false idea of what's happening in real people's lives. And therefore... If people aren't having the sex that they think everyone else is having, they feel like a weirdo, they yeah. feel like a loser. And then what kind of conversation are yeah. you really going to have? Yeah. It's particularly for blokes, I have to say, yeah. you know, because the pressure really is on them, you know, to to be basically up for a shag mm-hmm. at any time mm-hmm. um, with whoever. And there, if people knew the reality was that that's the opposite, it completely changes things. It does. And I mean, and this is, I honestly do think after talking about sex for all this time, that the, one of the main problems that we have is that we have this image in our head, which is fed by the media, that the only good sex is the sex you have at the start, where it's like passionate and lusty and intense. You know, you don't, you, it's almost impossible to have that when you're with somebody on a long-term basis, because it just is impossible to get all those hormones rushing again. I mean, there are things you can do, but you you have to accept that sex is going to be a different type of sex. It's going to be no less satisfying, but it's reactive desire. You don't feel like sex. You start stimulating each other. And this is where it's important to have good technique, to know what arouses you. And then all of a sudden you have a great orgasm and you've had this, you know, this great sex session. It's not going to be the lusty, red hot, chuck each other against the wall one. Forget it. That's not the benchmark for good sex. It's impossible. The only way to achieve that is, is to keep changing partners every five minutes. But you can achieve really good, satisfying sex if you put the effort in, if you have good technique, if you know what arouses you. 
God, that's interesting because uh-huh. you, know, you hear people say, you know, and maybe people like yourself say, Tracy, that you've got to set aside time for sex. And I've got a friend actually who does this. And well, I won't say when it is in case she's listening, but it's a certain time of the week. And, okay. you know, that's what they set aside. And I have to say, when she's told me that in the past, I have thought, Jesus, that sounds <laughs> tragic. But maybe it's what you have to do. Because you're thinking, how will I? I'm not. I, how am I going to feel like it at two o'clock on a Sunday afternoon? Yeah, I'm not going to feel like it. But because you won't feel like it any time. <laughs> this is a reality. You're not going to feel like it at any time. Either of you, if you've been together for a long time. But if you make a time to go right, this is our sex time, and each of you, and you don't make it a chore, but you go right. It's your turn this week. This Sunday at two o'clock, you have to come up with something, and they have to think. Well, God, what am I going to do? Okay, I'm going to come up with going to watch porn together, or maybe I'll buy one of those sex toys that we're going to try. Maybe, you know, we'll go to a sex store or just something fun that might lead to sex, might not, but something sexy and make it a bit of a fun thing. So it's not like we're going to have sex and walk into the bedroom at two o'clock and lie down, but just, but you do have to schedule sex. If you don't schedule sex when you're in a long term relationship or when you've got young children, you won't have sex. It's as simple as that. So do you schedule sex? Yes, we have sex on Sundays, Sunday sex. It's brilliant. And each time we may, actually we've been a bit slack lately, but we used to think up times. It was his turn one time and me and I'd sort of go, okay, I'm going to dress up this week or, and then we'd try something else. And as we're getting older, I have to say, we're getting less and less inventive and more and more boring. Like <laughs> practice what you preach, Trace. But, <laughs> yeah, but the scheduling sex works really well for us. And, you know, you were talking about perfect conditions for sex where you've got to be not stressed you've got to be in a happy mood and you've got to be well Sundays are our perfect conditions so have a few drinks have a nice chat go out somewhere come back it's always around the same time as well it is like two o'clock Sunday sex three o'clock Sunday sex and it works it's an extension of a date night isn't it yeah and everybody joins their nose up at those as well but you know which you kind of very often have to introduce if you've been together for a while and then it's like right come on what are we going to do to this because we've stopped going out to the cinema we've stopped going out for meals or whatever it is and then it's like right let's make such and such a night a date night and then yeah Perfect. Here we are. Oh, well, it's a revelation. Shall we go back to another email? Um, This is from W, uh, who says, I'm a woman fast approaching 60. Uh, My husband is now mid-60s. He has gradually lost his ability to maintain an erection, even with the help of Viagra. He keeps suggesting that I go out and find another man to have sex with, but I can't quite get my head around the practicalities. It seems that most men that he or I know and were able to broach the subject with have similar issues. How do I start an approach to another man to find out if A, he would have no string sex with me and B, if he is able to have sex with me. And please don't even suggest finding alternatives to penetration, which I know exists, but I still miss it. Wow. <laughs> that was going to be my first thing was just because his penis doesn't can't get erect doesn't mean you have to stop having sex because there are so many other alternatives. First of all, she could use, um, a, he could penetrate her using a dildo for a start. So you can have penetrative sex with your partner. You know, he could easily um, hold a vibrator that's insertable and like a rabbit or something like that and penetrate you. So I am not buying that it's penetrative sex it's not that that you're missing it's novelty because you can easily have penetrative sex with your partner by using a sex toy that is not a problem so you clearly he's given you permission 
which is unusual. And um, you're clearly thinking, well, you know, I might as well run with this. And fair enough, but just don't kid yourself. Uh, it's the penetration. You're looking for novelty. Um, how to find a man? Well, I certainly, if you are going to step outside the relationship, I certainly wouldn't be um, talking to friends because friends talk and say it all goes horribly wrong and you might develop feelings and then it's more than sex. It's a love relationship. So I would hire a sex worker. I'd take a tip out of Emma Thompson's um, book and and hire a male escort. That's what I would do. Right. Well, uh, we, we asked for straightforward advice and we are getting All it. Right. Yeah. Well, or something. well, do you know, it's funny, you know, getting asking for emails when we get emails in, um, which, which I'm grateful for. But you are giving very straightforward advice. And I think often when we have concerns about our sex lives or whatever, um, we almost don't want an answer. Mm. Mm. We almost don't want it to be solved because we we want to stay in the problem. Mm. It's more comfortable to stay in the problem than actually take the advice you need to take in order to get out of it. And also interesting that she doesn't want an alternative to penetration, considering that all our orgasms come from the clitoris. So she's one of the 20% who can, I'm assuming she has an orgasm through penetration, or maybe she has in her head that that's the only version of sex because lots of women and men, particularly men, get caught up on sex is intercourse. They can't see past that. So it's interesting. I do think there's a lot more to that letter than Uh than and what the question was. Okay. Well, listen, they're building up. Here we go. Another one. Um, <laughs> my husband has a porn compulsion. Uh, we've been pretty sexless uh, throughout much of our 11-year marriage, unless I instigated it, and that was unreciprocated. She says, I've not tried for years. Um, I have found uh, evidence of him sexting, not physical affairs that I know of. He says that he doesn't use porn, but she has found evidence of hundreds of files on a hard drive and a search history but he's now locked that all down. When I talk to him about it, he denies that it's excessive. He says, all men do it. And I am frigid because when he wants it, I'm not willing. Um, And that's because of the sexting. I can't get past it and the distress I feel over it. I know that I've avoided dealing with it and I now feel trapped as we've not dealt with it in 11 years. We did have a sex life for three years before we married. Any idea how to deal with this without accusing him of anything? Because that's when he gets defensive and I hate confrontation. God. Gosh, um, quite frankly, <laughs> I know what I'd be doing. I wouldn't be staying in that relationship because I think he's 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 got the issue and he's blaming it all on her. I mean, of course, you're not going to want to have sex with somebody if they're sexting and and why why is he downloading all the porn? Why doesn't he just stream it for a start? That's a bit weird. <laughs> um, so, I mean, he's very happily looking after or has looked after his own sex life or sex drive by masturbating to porn and sexting, right? So he's okay. Thanks very much. Has he made any attempt at all to see if you're okay with the fact that you're not having sex or he's just assumed that you're frigid? Has he ever had a conversation with you to say, look, you clearly don't enjoy sex or I think you don't enjoy sex with me. Can we talk about how to make it more pleasurable for you? What would work for you? What can I do more of? What would you like less of? These are the sort of questions that somebody who is interested in sexually satisfying their wife asks. He's done none of these things. And so, first of all, I'd be questioning, you know, is he like it with the rest of the relationship? I would be questioning the relationship and thinking, don't you deserve better, quite frankly? Second of all, I certainly wouldn't be feeling guilty about, frigid isn't even a word now. There is no such thing as a woman who can't be aroused. If you have the right 
expert technique and the right scenario, nearly all women can be aroused. So that's his inability to arouse you. Nothing wrong with you. Um, how to how to fix it now? Um, I mean, I suppose just you just have to have a direct conversation. First of all, think about whether you want to fix it, number one. Second of all, you just have to say to him, look, yes, all men do watch porn, but men, you know, and porn isn't a problem in a relationship unless it replaces the real life sex. And he has used porn to replace the real life sex. So he does officially have a problem with porn. Mm. So he's kidding himself. So not lots of nearly all men watch porn. Lots of women watch, watch porn, but they don't use it to replace real life sex. And that's when it does become a problem. So you need to put him straight on that and just say to him, put it back to him and say, look, I am up for sex. I would like to start um, to have sex with you again. This is the sort of thing, sex that I would like to have and detail what you would like. You know, I'd like I'd like lots of touching. I'd like to talk beforehand. I'd like you to, you know, woo me a little. I'd like, you know, name it all and then see what he says. I mean, I I, I don't like the sounds of how to, how, how to fix this because I don't think it's a necessarily very healthy um, attitude that he has. What do you two think? It makes me angry listening to that. Well, yeah. go on, Karen. No, I, I just think it leaves me cold, actually. There were, there, I was, as, there's one bit in it. Uh, yeah, I think when he denies it, when he's lying, then you just think, actually, you would find that very sexy. We're just somebody lying or defensive over it. Well, so I, I suppose, I suppose the two ways on that, he's either, um, if you're going to be charitable, he's embarrassed, he's humiliated, and, and therefore he pushes back. That's the charitable version. Mm -hmm. The less charitable version is he's gaslighting her and being controlling. Um, yeah, neither great. is particularly great. Do you know what? Yeah. I was thinking just as you're talking and bear with me because I'm probably not going to express this very well. But so we start off talking about basically you're in a long term relationship or you get older and, and the sex for whatever reason deteriorates and you've got to talk about it. And you say as a sex expert, well, of course, communication is um, is the absolute key to this. And of all of these emails that we've had so far, people have found it enormously difficult to talk to each other. So maybe actually what it comes back to is the quality of your relationship mm. rather than... No, no I don't sex. think so because so many people have fantastic relationships but still can't talk about sex. They'll talk about everything but sex. Yeah. I don't think it means that the relationship's bad. And can I just say, um, I probably should have got this out beforehand, but I do have a, um, if you go onto my website, which is tracycox.com, T-R-A-C-E-Y-C-O-X.com, and type in sex conversations, there is a whole um, sort of template of how to start a conversation about sex. There's about 20 different ways to start a conversation about sex that is worth um, looking up and just sort of, you know, like things like the sex dream or, you know, I miss our sex and you know I was just thinking the other day when was the last time we just you know sneaky ways without making it a big deal to bring up the conversation of sex with your partner and as I said the minute you start talking about it it's excruciatingly embarrassing for about three minutes four minutes maybe and then once you've sort of broken that all of a sudden couples then can't stop talking about sex and it's a relief to be able to say oh my god I'm so glad that you miss it too I'm so glad that you know just saying to somebody your partner I miss our sex is such a big deal 
you know, because it makes you feel desired again. It makes you feel like, oh, they have, they not find me attractive. They do like sex. Just saying that one sentence can get you so far. Hmm. Well, but here's the other side of it. You're saying there's lots of people who've got very good relationships and talk about anything but sex. Um, mm. Does it matter if they're having sex? I mean, if you're happy with somebody and, you know, you're content and you're companionable and, and all of these things, um, does it matter? There's probably couples who are having great sex, but they have a lousy relationship. That's exactly right. And the great sex makes the lousy relationship. You basically choose between great sex and a relationship because love and lust are incompatible, right? So, so, and most of us choose the great relationship. So what we need for a great relationship is security, you know, predictability, routine, trust, secure, you know, all that sort of nice, warm, fuzzy emotions. For sex, you need lust, you need forbiddenness, you need edgy emotions, you need unpredictability, you need eroticism. So this is why people in lousy relationships often have great sex because they've got all that. They're on edge all the time. They can't relax. They don't know whether this person's going to leave them. Or So sex is charged in the same way that it is in the beginning because you're not sure if that person really likes you and you're doing adventurous things. So... You know, it's you can't keep both going. You you can, you know, you can try and introduce, you know, get yourselves out of your comfort zone erotically and try and force that to happen. But most people very sensibly choose to feel the nice emotions. And the more you feel those nice emotions, the more this the sexy, you know, lust needs danger really. Yeah, needs grit in the oyster. Relationship, you haven't got any danger. So most people do choose. And if you are in a relationship where both of you are quite happy not having sex anymore and you've had a you know a really good run with it and you, you've both had lots of good sex in your life there is no problem with not having sex anymore it's better for you i mean you get a lot from sex you get you know emotional connection you get physical connection so i'd say if you're going to take sex off the table do sleep naked do at least do sexual things you know like um you know, like watch a sexy film. Don't avoid sex at all. Like you can be sexy without actually having sex. And it's, and you know, it's good for your genitals to continue having sex and stuff. It keeps them in good nick. But there's nothing, if both of you are very happy to be in a relationship without sex and you, you know, you genuinely are both happy, well, then that's fine. It's absolutely fine. But you're kind of saying the nicer the relationship, the lousier the sex. But it is. That's... that's <laughs> I would have thought you'd have had to have a good relationship before you'd have good sex. Isn't that funny? Some people, no. some people like trust. Some some women particularly can't have good sex without trust. So that is true in some cases. But for most people, if you say, what's the best sex you've had? It's always at the start. It's always with somebody a bit forbidden or somewhere a bit unusual. If you're in a, if you're in a nice, nice, comfy relationship and a happy relationship, how to get that side going again is you've got to take yourselves out of your comfort zone. You've got to challenge yourselves and do edgy things. I'm you glad do. you said that because you know the best sex I had was with a guy I didn't particularly like, and I thought I was weird. Oh, isn't that funny? Um, no, oh. I mean, gosh, when I first started out, I had the massively high sex drive, and I used to literally, I would play them along. I'd always wait ages before I had sex with anybody, and it would be this power game for me. I'd like string them along, we'd make them jump through hoops, we'd have all these dates and all that sort of stuff. And then by the time I had sex with them, I'd sex with them once and it was like, yeah, all right, bored now. Next one, it was seriously, I was terrible because the minute you have done it and you've had somebody, all those, all that 
fun and the, you know, the eroticism goes. So, I mean, I didn't do that for very long. Sounds like right slutty things. <laughs> yeah, just saying a lot of the beginning bit of sex is the, is the, is the, I mean, the game, the game, the chase, isn't it as well? The game is the chase. And you can't, there is no chase in a good relationship. Neither do you want it because if you had the, if you felt like you had to keep, you know, living up to a certain ideal to keep your partner, then that's anxiety ridden anyway. So we're right to choose the comfy relationship, but you do need to make yourselves move out of the people who sit on the sofa and watch box sets to, right, we are going to do something new. I'm going to tie you up or I'm going to role play, which everyone hates. But you, it's, you know, people have great sex after fancy dress parties when their partner's all dressed up in a wig and, and they look different because then you can convince yourself you're sleeping with somebody new. Well, I know because it's just kind of hard to move move from you know you're two people who know each other incredibly well who get on really well who you know genuinely love each other in that very deep and profound way and sit and watch boxes as we did for two years through bloody covid to suddenly start tying each other up it just feels faintly <laughs> ridiculous it's called the sibling effect yeah everybody has it everybody has it but it is does make you feel ridiculous for the first bit and then if you get into the habit of it, then it doesn't start to feel less ridiculous. But you do have to push past that. And it's like if you, you know, if you try something new and you start laughing, I always say to people, just doesn't matter if you laugh, just push through it and see if you can get through. So if you feel all uncomfortable, but your partner, say oral sex is how you orgasm, if it all feels like, oh my God, this feels so uncomfortable, we haven't had sex for ages. And you know, if you can just grit your teeth and accept it will feel like that and he's probably feeling like that and then start to focus on what you're feeling not what you're thinking this is we need to get out of here and into oh this feels nice this is pleasurable yeah can you do it a bit this way and that way and then lust takes over your body will take over well, I know you're the sex expert, but if you're the one giving the oral sex, don't grit your teeth. I, know, I, I, I don't know. Just, no, not too tight. <laughs> well, listen, um, I'm just going to finish with <clears throat> with this email, which is. I would hope a relatively unusual um, experience, but you know, not so unusual that there won't be people who can relate to it. Um, so this this is a heavy email I'm going to give you here, here Tracy. Um, so yeah, I won't. I'll say it's from C. Uh, so C uh, is 61, divorced with two girls when she was 34. She says, "I've decided I am asexual." Uh, not sure if I'm using the right term. terminology here but I actually mean I feel nothing in a sexual way have tried especially after I was divorced Um, and this must be something we've said before in the podcast Um, so I was born to Catholic Irish parents Um, I was sexually abused at the age of 7 or 8 by an elderly neighbour didn't discuss that with anyone until I was 31 married at 18 to a man to whom I lost my virginity there began a life of coercive control rape within the marriage Um, divorced at 34 soul care of the two girls who were teenagers by the t- that time and had support for the domestic violence unit. At that age, 34, I expected my sexual awakening to happen. Spoke to my best friend who had a wonderful sex life, but it never did happen for me. I was a people pleaser, found myself in unattainable relationships and being that friends with benefits girls. Uh, oh, it's so sad, you know, when I read this email. My heart has been broken too many times to remember, particularly after two bad years medical, medically-wise. I decided that sexual relationships are too complicated. I'm on my own and happy to be. I no longer have the feeling of failure. 
frankly, I can't be bothered anymore. I've thrown out the vibrators. Um, but then maybe if I'd heard a podcast like yours years ago, my life would have been a different story. I, I know you don't have an answer to that, Tracy. Um, but I just, just kind of wanted to read it because those experiences are out there. And it is desperately, desperately sad. And, and I mean, the minute you talk about sexual abuse, especially at a young age, um, rape, violence, of course you're going to shut down sexually. I found it interesting that she thought she was going to have a sexual awakening um, without any therapy because how? Your body is not going to let you do that. So your body would be not letting you feel anything sexually because it's not safe to. And the only way you could ever get past that is to go for a lot of therapy if she wanted to. Um, and, but uh, I mean, trust is, and as we were talking about before, even if you're having sex with somebody new and there's got to be some level of, of, of trust there that you are safe. It's a really intrinsic part of it. And, and with your background, you've never been safe so you would never feel safe enough for that to develop in you so it's your body protecting you um so i completely understand why and um it depends on whether you want to pursue this if you if you could try therapy it might help um or you just decide that you know there are other things that you would rather pursue but yeah desperately sad and i'm so sorry i, I it's so upsetting hearing things like that yeah um, people. i think to a certain extent just in popular culture and and for men too, but I can only obviously speak from a female point of view. Um, you know, in casual conversation, so much of our self-worth or our worth is tied up with our our value as a sexual being. You know, it, it's such currency, isn't it? And and I'm just thinking about this email. When you're surrounded by a zillion different messages of being mm. sexy is good. Mm and you are not, then that's a fundamental, you know, source of distress. Whereas what you have said, there are extremely valid reasons for yeah. this woman not to feel like that. Extremely valid. And you know what? One thing I really like about getting old is that I feel less pressure now. <laughs> I don't feel pressure anymore to be sexy or even in even in my job, I don't feel like I'm supposed to pretend I'm having sex all the time or that I'm, you know, I'm wanting sex all the time. Because you know, when you get older, your desire for sex goes down. And plenty of people just say, you know what, as you said, you know, quite happy with everything else, but I've kind of had my full of sex. So I don't feel that pressure. And, and at 61, as that woman is, she's now in her age group and hopefully with nice, you know, friends around her, maybe who are the same age, where that expectation hopefully won't be on her so much. So hopefully it's not, it's not as, you know, this sort of what's wrong with me, what's wrong with me. Hopefully it's less pressure at that age than it is when maybe she was 25, 30. Mm, yeah. I suppose, though, it's kind of easier to say, well, do you know what? I'm whatever age I've had my fun, if you've had your fun. But yes. if you feel it's a part of your life you've missed out on, then mm. that that's a very different you yeah, know, situation, really. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And therapy really can work wonders, but it would take a lot of therapy, I think. Yeah. But it can. I mean, there's no reason to write it off if she's willing to go there. There are therapists who you could take it through and out the other side. Absolutely. But yeah, I hope that she does feel validated that there is nothing, there are valid reasons why this has happened. This is nothing that you could have done differently. Mm, yeah. Um, well, God, Tracy, that has been a blooming revelation for me. Thank you so much. 
Yeah, and you've shut you've shut Karen up as well, so it must have been good. <laughs> and I need to go and listen to it again now. <laughs> Write down all the little notes that. Uh, yeah, no, it was really interesting. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Uh, well, there you go. I think we're going to have to go and have a cup of tea, <laughs> a little rub down or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. Tracy Cox, thank you so much. What did you make of that? Wow. <laughs> She's somebody you'd want in your life, wouldn't you? She's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I really... I can't, I'm trying to think why I like that so much, but just I almost have sort of not so much permission, but for some say, actually, the cozier and nicer and more secure your relationship, the chances are the sex is going to have to really be something you're going to work out because you don't have that edge. Actually felt quite nice because the general chat is always if your sex isn't great, your relationship is poor. So to have someone look at it a different way, is is really refreshing, I think. Has it inspired you to do any um, shopping? No, I'm not into sex toys. Can we stop now? I really am feeling uncomfortable. <laughs> do you have to be into sex toys? Uh, I, would have, I don't know. Maybe. Were you really into them or did you just go to into that? into them. I just bought well, I, a couple. But what made you? Oh, such a long time ago. Eh... <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's it, maybe I would, didn't even suggest it. Maybe it was my partner that suggested it at the time. Yeah. Did they make things that much better? Well, it was not that they made it better. It was just another element. Oh, God, can we get can we just delete this now? <laughs> so I'm hot, and it's not even my jumper. <laughs> Bye, everyone. <laughs> Oh, I don't know about you folks, but I feel absolutely exhausted. Keep those emails coming in on podcast at htb60.com. We love hearing from you. Next week, cosmetics queen Ruby Hammer joins us.